Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio Network. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and resiliency expert, helping people to live positively through the challenges of life. You can find out more about me in this interview at my website, which is Tom, the number two, and tall, T-A-L-L dot com. My co-host today is my colleague at TechBlocks, Peter Goral, who introduced me to today's guest. So, Peter, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about TechBlocks and then introduce the amazing Charles Byrne. Excellent. Thanks again, Tom. Uh, pleasure to be uh, sitting here with you and uh, on your show. Yes, uh, my name is Peter Goral, and I'm Vice President of Business Development and Client Relations at TechBlocks. And uh, at TechBlocks, we're, we're kind of a hybrid organization. We're a consulting company that has a creative background and uh, use, utilizes uh, technology um, as an enabler. And we're agnostic on that front. And uh, if you're an organization that's looking to drive more business through the utilization of a digital platform or an online platform, uh, be that through an enhanced website or some form of marketing automation, we're just the company for you because uh, we can help you suss it out, plan it out, and uh, build it out for you. So as uh, Tom said, our guest today actually is Charles Byrne, and uh, Charles actually is uh, in a very similar business uh, as TechBlocks. Charles is a marketing and business strategy specialist as well as an entrepreneur, and currently based in Toronto. He began his entrepreneurial path when he was 21, running as a speed dating and social event company in Vancouver, mm-hmm. B.C., in 2007, in order to help his company get the most out of his tiny marketing budget, he held a world record speed dating event that garnered a large amount of free media attention. That's always good. Since earning his MBA at McGill University, he worked with companies as small as one person and as big as Morgan Stanley. And as a project lead tackling a range of business challenges, he is passionate about unique and engaging user experiences and has learned much from his time spent working in Brazil, India, and the Czechoslovakian Republic. In 2011, he co-founded the Hot Cities Charity Initiative to raise money for charities worldwide by using social media to help connect traveling first world students and their followers with real third world challenges. Recently, he was on a marketing team that won Best E-Tailor at the Canada Post E-Commerce Awards, and currently, he's the head of the marketing division for Patio Interactive. Patio Interactive is a Toronto-based design and development shop specializing in branding and digital development projects. His company motto is, we live for the project. And his mission is to reshape the way companies view outsourced project management. He provides his clients with a hybrid approach of business strategy combined with special, specific digital and marketing deliverables such as app development, gamification, video communications, and neighborhood branding. He's also the host of the Patio Interactive Wine Club, an artistic and social event held at the MakeWorks co-working space. The event features artists, designers, innovators, and provocateurs, and is aimed at helping like-minded people connect, promoting local creators, and of course, enjoying wine. Charles, that's quite uh, a bunch of things, and uh, I I realized really quickly um, in reading that bio that uh, we are really quite synced as far as uh, our businesses are concerned. Uh, 
Um, I, can I ask you, is, is that what drew your attention to reaching out to us in the first place? It was. I mean, uh, my partner Long was on that uh, on the website, uh, Ten Thousand Coffees, and we were trying to figure out, you know, who we wanted to connect with. Uh, again, just using uh, using the internet to uh, reach out and expand our our network and our horizons. Um, not being from here uh, originally, you know, we were trying to build the build our network out in Toronto, and, and we found found you guys, and, and it's been definitely as far as. Uh, the results from that site, uh, you two, Tom and, and Peter, have been the, uh, by far the uh, the uh, shining stars uh, of, of that uh, of that site. So uh, I'm, I'm really glad to have met you both. That's brilliant, Tom. You, wow. you probably have a question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, whenever I see Peter come back from your MakeWorks uh, co-working space. He's like just beaming and he's all excited. He's like he's 20 years old again. So explain this make, explain this make works co-working space, uh, some of the people that are in it with you, uh, because it sounds like an, an amazing place for a young person or hey, even an old person like Peter to be. Oh, thanks, Tom. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, before my company was in MakeWorks, we had an office down in City Place. Um, we had a little more amenities and uh, just roughly about the same price. But uh, to be honest, uh, especially um, because we didn't really have a lot of overhead, we weren't really using a ton of resources and we weren't really a big operation, um, we went to MakeWorks. It's a co-working space that uh, basically houses a bunch of startups. Um, and a bunch of different kinds of companies, um, and and really it utilizes the economies of scale um, within a, a single working space. So there's you know shared printing resources, shared um, shared uh, um, uh, meeting rooms, uh, different office spaces, shared kitchen, that sort of stuff. So if you're a small business, you don't necessarily want to be paying for all that yourself. Um, but that's just the start of it. I mean, uh, for us it was. Uh, it's amazing because we were able to uh, engage with a bunch of uh, really cool businesses that are also in there, uh, and they're working right around you. Um, uh, there's a company called Make Lab that does uh, uh, 3D printing and prototyping. Uh, there's a company called The Shop, which does uh, uh, hardware and uh, woodworking and that sort of thing. And it's uh, run by uh, two uh, two ladies who are far more handy with a saw than I am. Um, <laughs> Uh, and there's uh, Indiegogo is actually the uh, the Vancouver chapter of Indiegogo, the, the crowdfunding. Um, um, but uh, oh wow, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What about the guy uh, who I, makes stuff on the walls? What's his business? Or like art? Or Peter was explaining it. And what's that business? That sounds cool. Oh, there's actually two. I, I'm not sure which one you're talking about, but the uh, there was the there, there's this. Um, um, it's called um, oh. Uh, Sprout Gorilla. Um, so Sprout Gorilla is a, they basically they do moss art. Uh, so this is uh, this is just they're such a cool company. They they basically they make uh, they make murals and art out of moss. Um, so um, <laughs> wow. moss is of course really really good for the environment. They eat up uh, carbon carbon dioxide. Um, so it's not only that it's it's, it's very uh, um, green friendly uh, initiative, mm-hmm. um, and it looks really cool. And the moss, uh, it's it's neat because they, they they explained to me the other day, um, the uh, the moss uh, it, it grows on the wall, and then uh, when summertime hits, it, it or sorry when wintertime hits, it, it goes dormant, 
and then disappears. And then in the summer again, the, your mural comes back to life. Wow. It's a, it's, wow. It's a, it's a living organism, right? And I mean, yeah. it, and it and it uh, it controls the kind of uh, the air, right, and the atmosphere mm-hmm. as much as anything else, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean that's uh, going to school and at McGill they uh, uh, they had the the engineering space there had a living wall as well too. It's a really neat concept and it's, it's good for the environment and it's just neat to look at. <laughs> wow. Well, it sounds amazing. Like when Peter comes back, he's like a six-year-old after an exciting day of school. He's like, and there was this, and then there was a place that does this, and then there was this. And so it sounds uh, amazing. Uh, Peter, uh, um, you've got the next question there uh, because uh, I'm excited about that MakeWorks. i got to go see that space. Yeah, uh, no, you must. <laughs> you must. Now, um uh, I, like I said, uh, um, there's there's a real synergy between the the business that um, that, that Patio Interactive is in and and, and TechBox is in, and I think just for the sake of um, uh, arguments, I'm going to let you actually uh, give us your interpretation of a couple of things. One of the areas of, that we work in is uh, gamification, and I know that. That's kind of a strange word, uh, mm-hmm. you know, associated with digital, you know, with the digital online space. But um, it'd be great to get your interpretation of gamification and how gamification uh, is uh, changing the way that uh, uh, people are interacting with one another online, uh, Charles, if you will. Mm-hmm. Well, we got into gamification. It's um, really when we say gamification um, for the listeners out there, uh, it really just means turning something that wouldn't otherwise be a game into a game. Um, so um, the way you, or the reason you would do this is, is uh, they've learned that, that when, when it comes to games, for example, um, uh, people are much more resilient in the face of failure. Uh, they learn from their mistakes. Um, they're able to be more engaged. Uh, I mean, uh, everybody has played a game in one one time in their life or another. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be an online uh, video game. It doesn't have to be Angry Birds. I mean, even, even just a board game or Monopoly or anything. I mean, it's so engaging. Um, and, and we love this love field because uh, in terms of it really combines the idea of, 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 the, uh, of what, what makes games so great to human beings um, with the idea that uh, there's, there's ways to uh, engage people and then help them learn and help them help them grow uh, through games. I mean, games are are wildly addicting um, uh, in the right context, and so um, it, it has uh, so many uh, applications in the real world. When you think about learning, when you think about uh, children learning in school, uh, when you think about teaching employees, uh, when you think about engaging your customers um, to teach them about your product, uh, gamification has so many different uses. Uh, so. Um, we just we love this field, and I personally am I'm just fascinated with it, uh, having a background in psychology and seeing uh, exactly uh, how uh, how we can use um, this evolving study. It, it's almost it should be. Um, I'm not sure if it's taught yet uh, as its own class in universities, but it really should be because it's it's, it's a mixture of so many different fields that um, can lead to uh, so many different uh, positive outcomes. Um, well, I mean, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. Well, I've known from my uh, personal experiences in this in this industry, um, 
you know, we work with the development, and I'm sure as you do too, the development of, of personas in uh, mm-hmm. in uh, developing the kind of right approach to uh, the various clients for for our clients, and um, and we're always we're always investigating ways and means of of, of getting them further engaged and uh, and in, incenting them to in a sense create some advocacy as it were about our about our uh, about our products and about our efforts in the market and almost utilizing the the strength of the community as it were to to carry the message that one step further to to their particular domains and so and I think gamification kind of helps there too because it allow it's a form it's a formula that's utilized in incenting others gaining uh, you know making making headway uh you know to getting a message out do you do you see, do you agree with that do you see that as being part and parcel of the makeup of that uh, effort oh absolutely i mean we do a lot uh with branding um with our clients uh, and um sending the right image uh through a game is something that i mean 10 years ago a lot of companies wouldn't touch um but we're we're currently working with a bank right now um, and uh, I mean, there's just so many examples of where games have really helped to define the the, the persona of the of the uh, company um, in in ways that uh, just uh, it's just it's it's fascinating. Um, I mean, if you if you go to the Google if you go to Google homepage every now and then, there's a game um, um, either this or that, uh, um, just not a just a fun sort of eight bit style game, but it's uh, it's it's interesting, and Google. I mean, I'm sure uh, it was probably a fun project because uh, Google does a lot of those things. But a lot of it too, uh, and you don't even realize it, is is, is, a, is a brand strategy to sort of um, engage people and, and, and have them recognize Google for uh, their brand value. Yeah, no, and I, and I think I, yeah, I've seen that actually, where they've actually played a game right from their landing page, and it's had yeah. something to do with their title. But at the same mm-hmm. time, they're they're keeping you there for a few more seconds. They're mm-hmm. engaging you in something that you think is fun, but at the mm-hmm. same time, they're taking a measurement of you, right? Because they are capturing your activity as an individual, and and they are in a sense creating data that they'll. Obviously, turn around and utilize uh, for an, another purpose. You know, to market mm-hmm. toward you, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, Google does that better than anybody. And uh, uh, I mean, uh, it's uh, when you're on the internet, it's it's a constantly evolving uh, game, as it were, uh, to gain the attention of the of the browser. Uh, I mean, uh, there's uh, we, we basically we need bug eyes these days to be able to focus on all the different uh, things going on. I mean, sure, I mean, right now I'm looking at my computer and I have seven different tabs open. Um, so, uh, I mean, the, the the nice thing about games is is that I mean, uh, you can you can gain the data from it. I mean, Google's obviously doing that, um, and, and you can engage people, um, and uh, it's it's. Uh, it's a powerful way to hijack somebody's reward system for a short period of time. Fortunately, um, <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if you've ever played the Angry Birds or whatever uh, on your phone, I mean, I'm not even sure if it's fun. It's just, but it certainly gets your attention. Yes, my wife has found one recently, and it certainly has her attention. So, yeah, <laughs> they they can attract people's attention a fair bit. So, whenever I know. She's not listening to me. It's likely she's playing some game on her phone. 
Yep. So, yeah, cool. Even old folks like us are starting to play games. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, uh, Charles, you, how, you've lived in a number of countries. How, how did that come to be? And then how about the cultural differences in business environments? For instance, I spoke in Malaysia twice, and the first time we went, that tour person reminded us that in Malaysia, pointing is rude. If you point, you point with your thumb. And so if I hadn't been if I hadn't been told that for like a number of days, I would have been pretty rude. And so talk about cultural differences in the different business environments. You've been in Canada, Brazil, and the Czech Republic. Uh, yeah, I mean, when I um, I traveled around and I did some work for a company in Canada while I was in Brazil, and then I did the, some work for a different company um, in Canada while I was in Czech Republic. But I dealt with people, and also. Um, I did some uh, I did a, a, a social media project in India as well, um, and I was fascinated uh, with the um, with the differences um, uh, with the cultural differences and the specific uh, cultural dimensions. And I mean, um, there's there's studies, and I'm not I'm by no means an expert in this field, but it was certainly something that I had learned um, to appreciate, and then also to possibly uh, benefit from uh, you know if you, if you do your homework in this field. It's fascinating um, to be able to understand um, that, that how cultural values can affect um, business relationships and, um, and and management and dealing with people of, of different cultures. Uh, like you, you mentioned, um, uh, you know, pointing uh, with your tongue as opposed to with your finger. I mean, there's lots of these little examples, and uh, um, there's there's those little um, strange things that you would think are not. Uh, strange at all, um, yeah. and then in other cultures, they are. I mean, uh, just the other day, I was watching news, and Obama um, is getting flack for chewing gum when he showed up at the uh, Apex Summit. Um, uh, you know, out here, it'd be, I guess it'd be still a little strange to see the president chewing gum, but out there, it was a big deal. Uh, I mean, in countries, in, I believe in Singapore, for example, gum is, is, is banned. <laughs> so he, he pulls up uh, in, in his window, and he's chewing gum. Uh, and it's all over the blogger net in, uh, in parts of Asia. So, I mean, that's a good right. example right there. Um, I have a friend who lives in Singapore, and, uh, yeah, he told me about that gum thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, there's a there's a, there's a, a studier, um, studier uh, a person who's, who's conducted a lifelong study on cultural values and, and uh, as it pertains to business relationships, a uh, huge hallscape. Um, and he uh, he broke it down into uh, several dimensions, uh, which are fascinating when you, uh, when you look at the differences between countries: uh, power distance, individualism, uh, masculinity, femininity, uh, uncertainty, avoidance, uh, pragmatism, and indulgence. Um, so these are, and uh, in, in, in actually, uh, it, it's it's a very evolving study because uh, the, the last uh, indulgence, for example, was called that. It was called time orientation. Uh, but they, they've learned uh, basically from their research uh, that uh, certainly certain dimensions, uh, what exactly they mean, how they define these cultures. Um, and it's, it's fascinating. I mean, the individualism and collectivism is a huge one. You see um, Canada and the U.S. are a fairly individualistic society, um, but a place like uh, Japan, for example, is much more collectivist. Uh, they're saying in Canada, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. 
um, that that saying in in Japan is actually the hammer or the, the nail that's sticking out will be hammered down. So it's the complete opposite. Um, they mm-hmm. don't um, they they look at at certain situations differently. I mean, here we praise um, certain behaviors, and in Japan, uh, for example, those are those are completely different. Um, and uh, when when I was traveling around the, when I was in Brazil, for example. Um, they uh, they are much more. They they see the world in a different way in terms of um, they're actually huge on what's called uncertainty avoidance, um, and so um, in, in, and that is often a result of of, of being part of a um, of, of a of the, having a history in a Catholic uh, Catholic society. So the no tradition Catholic, um, they have a set rules. Uh, they have a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of laws. Um, and 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 you have to sort of uh, incorporate it in business dealings. Obviously, Brazil has some issues with corruption as well, too, as a result. But it's, it's a, 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 that's a result of um, their their bureaucracy and their laws, and it's it's become in a way systematic. Um, so when you go there and you're trying to conduct work or you're trying to meet with people, uh, and there's certain um, things that need to take place beforehand. Um, Brazilians are used to this, and they're used to this in their, in their way of life and in business. And when you get there as a Canadian, and, and some, uh, there can be a bit of a culture shock. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, well, Charles. Charles, if uh, if the uh, IT uh, business doesn't work out, it sounds like you've got um, the makings of uh, a job at the UN. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a, that was that was the most information that I've had on uh, on the subject of cultural differences in a long time from one person. That's brilliant. Yeah, well, I I found it most fascinating because Canada, if you're conducting business, even just in Canada, um, it's it's a, Canada is a very heterogeneous society. It's not. I mean, one of the one of the one of the proud points of our culture is that we don't have our own sort of specific culture. We sort of we're we're a nation of immigrants, right? I mean, my my business partner is Vietnamese. My life partner is from France. Um, my building manager is from uh, um, Portugal and Mexico. So uh, just understanding if you're conducting business in Canada, uh, there's these uh, these these underlining cultural uh, differences that that uh, that change the way people view their, their reality. So it helps to you know to do a little research on this and understand well, where people are coming from when it comes to certain things. And it helps with business and it helps with social life. It helps with everything. And it's, and it's beyond right. that, it's just hugely fascinating as well. Amazing. Hey, this is a question for uh, both Peter and Charles. Uh, Talk to me about this wine club event that you uh, hold. I know Peter went uh, recently. He was very popular with his artwork. Peter is a very gifted artist, and uh, he loves being around young people, so he really enjoyed it. But uh, talk about that wine club, what the purpose is, and uh, some of the cool events you've had and uh, that sort of thing. Um, sure. Well, the wine club, is a, it's a, we, we've done it. We did it for a few different reasons. Um, uh, it happens uh, every couple months. Uh, it promotes uh, artists, innovators, designers. Um, it's on a Saturday night. So people, uh, each uh, each uh, guest brings a bottle of wine uh, and a personality, and um, we uh, it's it's a social event. Um, I'm trying to bring in people from all walks of life and um, help. Uh, um, it helps uh, just from a networking perspective, and it helps just because I appreciate. 
I don't know much about wine. I appreciate it. Uh, I don't know much about art, but I appreciate it as well too. Uh, and uh, it's a, it was a fun sort of different thing that my company um, has started doing uh, in order to establish itself and just to, to, to redefine exactly what exactly what you would do on a Saturday night. Um, I think uh, you know um, bringing Peter. Uh, to put up his art exhibit was fantastic, and it was exactly the kind of thing that I, I was looking for um, because uh, there's there's people in, in Toronto that are passionate about what they do. I mean, um, Peter, you, you obviously, you, in terms of uh, a secondary career, if, if uh, I mentioned this at the event, if, if uh, there's another tech uh, bubble that bursts tomorrow, and you, you're, you're now a, a, a fantastic artist. Uh, so... Um, you can just move right on to that. Uh, um, and I think the, the event itself is, is supposed to be evolving, and uh, um, no two events are the same, and uh, you know, we've grown every time. Uh, so it's, it's a fascinating kind of thing. We were, uh, unfortunately, I guess at the last event, we were, uh, Tom, you were going to come as a guest speaker, which yeah. we were really excited about, but uh, we're going to have another one in February, so uh, hopefully nice. we can make it out to that one. Um, yeah, does everybody does everybody get involved? Like, does the moss guy come and the carpenter ladies come and all the <laughs> other cool people you got there? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the event, but uh, um, uh, that's what the, that's what we're trying to promote. I mean, uh, local innovators. We want um, uh, demos from startups and um, demonstrations, or um, uh, speakers about their business, or uh, you know, even. Uh, even getting some feedback on our product. So one of our clients is Sage Mixology, and they have uh, uh, they have a, a new uh, type of uh, bottle and, and drink, and we were showing to people and getting their feedback on their prototype. Um, I mean, that's the kind of stuff we want to we want to have. So I mean, it's 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 business, it's innovation, it's uh, social, um, and it also promotes a lot of local artists. So we had uh, yeah. Uh, live music uh, at, at our other event. We had a comedian. Uh, the next event, we're actually going to have an improv troupe. Well, you know the other the other the other thing I the other thing I like about it is that um, it 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 kind of brings together some of the external uh, uh, people. You know, the, some of the outside folks. You know, into you and and kind of integ- helps you kind of integrate the young the young businesses that are working there and presenting. Uh, you know, like for instance, uh, I had a, a small group of individuals that I brought there. I think maybe I think maybe a half dozen, eight or, or eight or so people came, you know, because I invited them, and they, you know, it was the first time for that environment, and I saw some connections being made, you know. So, I mean, I I, I encourage you know I encourage you to like extend that that uh, uh, message out, you know, because I think it'll help grow your businesses and, and expose some of the really talented young people that uh, that are present at Make Works, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And you said you were the oldest one at that event, Peter. Uh, well, uh, there were a couple of I, – I made sure that I brought a couple of older people with me so that, <laughs> that wasn't the case, but it was pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. They're inviting you to expand the age range of the event. That's, that's Absolutely. True. You're more than welcome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> my preference is that my preference is to age is only a number, and my preference is to hang with younger people, you know. And I part have and parcel, that. yeah, part and parcel of my own makeup is that you know, unless I look in the mirror, I forget how old I am, you know. And I and I really do, 
you know, I kind of, I, I, I venture into these uh, circles, uh, you know, with the idea that I, I kind of wish that that I'd had these same type, this same type of exposure when I was their age, you know, and I mean, uh, yeah, I think it's brilliant, you know, the idea that that these generations are mixing with one another and and really working towards the same goal, which is rather unique, you know, I mean. Um, that's what social networking is all about, and uh, um, I think probably our, you know, the next question I have is this is about this social networking, and uh, you know, uh, and and how you've how you've had to really kind of fit yourself into the real world, because I know that you know once you've left university. You know, the university itself is kind of a, a really, it's a, it's a community onto its own. But then when you get out in the real world, Charles, tell us about what you've had to do in order to, you know, in order to kind of bring some, you know, bring some momentum to your business and to your, and to your business life. Well, it's, it's interesting because, um, and I've noticed this not only with me, but with a lot of people that I've worked with, um, and I don't think it's something that they teach at university, and so it is a bit of a shock when it, when afterwards. And I think a lot of it has to do with uh, Canada's cultural norms. Uh, so back to um, the differences between cultures, is that um, Canada, uh, we are sort of... Um, in a way, reserved. I guess we have our backgrounds in, in, in the, the puritanical um, uh, life, and, and so uh, a lot of us uh, we have difficulty getting out of our shells. I mean, I mean, when you're in business development, you have to be that way. Obviously, you have to just constantly be connecting with new people and meeting new people. Um, but I think it's a, a big challenge for people, uh, especially after we leave university. For example, it, when you're in university, basically you're in business development heaven. Uh, because there's everything that you can you meet people. Uh, if you're in a dorm room, you meet people on your floor. Uh, you meet people in whatever in whatever um, thing you're interested in. There's clubs. There's uh, in your class, in your cafeteria, in the nightlife. Everything is right there for you. And then you leave university and you think, uh, well, how do I meet people now? I'm not. I have a job. I mean, other than the people that I work with every day. Um, where am I going to meet new people? And I think it's, and I've talked to a lot of people who've had that challenge. Um, and I think that uh, and, and myself, having traveled um, and worked in different places, um, I have also faced this issue, uh, but it's something that obviously uh, has, can be tackled. Um, and I think when it comes to um, whether it's your social network or your business network, and really those two, uh, it's like a Venn diagram, anyway. It's your social circle and your in your business circle, um, because uh, you're going to be interested in doing business with people that are that you are either friends with or would like to be friends with. Um, yeah. And 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 this is this is a challenging thing for a lot of people. Um, for example, uh, if they uh, I went to school in Montreal, and a lot of the people there ended up moving to Toronto because it's the center of the universe, um, and uh, starting uh, working there. But they haven't. Uh, they, they, they've expressed to me that they've had difficulty making friends outside of um, uh, outside of the people that they knew. Also from McGill, who ended up in Toronto, um, and it's challenging, especially if you're running a small business and you're trying to uh, meet new people. Um, and I think a lot of those uh, there's a strong um, there's cultural. Uh, 
cultural pressure um, that, that says that uh, you can't necessarily even make friends with somebody, um, uh, you know, reach out to them and say, hey, you know, let's go for a beer, or let's go, um, mm-hmm. let, let's go do this and that. And I mean, a lot of it. I mean, the only time I ever see people actually willing to leave their comfort zone is when it's, uh, it's just men trying to pick up women. That seems to be the only time where <laughs> we'll really go out of our way. Um, and it's it, it's challenging, um, but I think, you know, you have to put the effort in. You have to be able to uh, say, you know, in other cultures, for example, uh, you know, uh, in France and, and Quebec, uh, uh, which is uh, its own culture as well, um, and it's dramatically different from the rest of Canada if you spend time there. Um, they're much more open to meeting new people, and they often, in, in Quebec, for example, they have uh, saint cassette uh, which just basically means 5 to 7, um, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, after work every day where people would go to the bar. And, um, and, and it's very social, and you can just go and turn to the person next to you and start a conversation. And I think this is a, a challenge for a lot of people. Um, and it, it, it starts with that. And then it's, if you're in business development, your goal is to close deal or at least to build a business relationship and to eventually close the deal. Um, but I think you can look at your social circles the same way. Say, okay, well, I, you know, I've met this person. I've talked to him or her. Um, now I'm not just going to say, oh, hey, let's add each other on Facebook. Or, um, you know, a lot of times that's a crutch for people, um, especially, you know, coming out, of the, coming out of university, that's what people do, or they add, they add you on LinkedIn. Um, but really, if you feel like You've, uh, if you feel like you made a connection and you want to be friends with the person, uh, never mind a love interest, um, uh, you know, you need to feel comfortable just going out of your way and saying, hey, I like you as a person. Let's hang out again or let's, you know, do something together or come to my wine club, <laughs> which is an easy way, uh, of course. Um, and, and so I think that's something that, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely a bit of a postpartum depression when you leave university, and um, I think it, it's something that, that people need to be aware of when they, when they get into the real world. Definitely, well, and, and I think, this is why you could, have, you could have a million people in the city of Toronto around you and still be lonely. Yeah, that's no, but true. I think that, yeah, I think the, you know, the, it, it depends what line of business you're in too a little, you know, I mean, then I, you know, we both work, you know, with uh, IT type folks around us and most of them are very, very bright, but mostly very introverted because, you know, the, the, the projects and the work that they're, that they're engrossed in on a day-to-day basis takes a lot of really hard focused effort and it, and it means separating yourself from a group of people and going into a room or, you know, or, or plugging, you know, plugging into a, a computer and, and watching that screen for hours on end. And, I mean, that must be the most difficult thing for people to actually have to snap out of that and then, mm-hmm. and then try and attach themselves to somebody on, on a business or social front. I mean, You've likely experienced that, Charles. I mean, do you have any advice for the listeners that that are of that ilk, you know, uh, that that need to step out of that box and get connected? I would say uh, take baby steps, and uh, the nice a nice way of doing that is finding something that you're passionate about and doing that first. So I used to 
um, I'm fascinated by this. I used to run a, a speed dating and social event company. So, I mean, that was uh, where I first uh, realized. Uh, I, I first started viewing the human condition in that in that light. Um, it, people. Uh, People would come to a social event or a single event or a speed dating event, and are, we quickly realized that they didn't want to be thinking that they were there for that reason. They wanted to be thinking that they were there for a different reason. Um, so we, our whole job during the event was to make them forget that they were actually at a singles event, um, to entertain them and to get their minds off of the fact that they're trying to meet new people, um, although ultimately that was their goal. Uh, and so I would say the first bit of advice is just find something that you're into that's somewhat social and start with that. You know, whatever it is, I, you know, I play a lot of sports and actually a lot of my business uh, colleagues are from either my hockey team or my ultimate team. Um, so uh, that helps. It, it, it's great to have that sort of uh, common theme. Um, obviously, people are more attracted to like-minded people, but I would say start with that. I mean, Toronto is a great city for that because whatever you're into, there are hundreds <laughs> There's of some, thousands yeah. of people who are into it as well. I mean, it's not a small city. So um, start with that. I mean, right, come go do workshops, do cooking courses, do whatever it is that you're into, book clubs, and you'll meet people. And that, that I would say is the first step. And then be comfortable in those situations to just say, hey, you know, let me get your phone number. Let's let's go for a beer. Uh, that's my go-to thing. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, it could be uh, you should be okay with meeting somebody in a sort of open social environment like that, and and being okay with taking it to the next level. Like I said, men trying to pick up women are are good at this, you know. But the rest of us in just normal social social circumstances are much more reserved and uh, you need to be able to take that step and say, and, and people are more, very receptive. Uh, they, yeah. You know, they're always like, they're always thinking, oh, oh, wow, this guy is interested in me. Um, he likes me as a person. I'm, I'm flattered. Of course I'd go for a beer with you. You know? Yeah. Um, if you take interest in, in people um, and, 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 and Canada, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a strange, uh, it's a strange social paradigm where people often have challenges taking that next step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, uh, Charles, let me uh, speak about a topic that's very dear to my heart. I've been in business development a long time. Uh, talk about uh, how to become indispensable uh, to a business-to-business client, because this is a commodity world. I can search... Uh, technology consultant and find 892 of them within five minutes of me. And so, how do you become indispensable to a to a B2B client? Uh, on the list of questions, uh, I know uh, this was the last one, and it was more just an anecdotal story that I had um, I had experienced, and it was it was interesting to see. Um, I, I didn't even expect it this way, but uh, it, it, it turned out really well for us. Uh, we were—I was dealing with a B2B client, um, and they are a producer of, of steel cables um, um, for the manufacture. They manufacture steel cables for uh, cranes and for um, drag lines and oil fans, or for um, uh, they actually have the, the, the original. The original steel cables in the CN Tower were actually made by this company. Mm. Um, um, so when we started working with them, they, we, I knew nothing about steel cables, absolutely nothing. Um, and th- 
throughout the course of our engagement, um, we spent a lot of time just understanding the product. I mean, even technology consultants aren't necessarily going to know the ins and outs of their client's business. Um, but when it comes to, and especially in, in B, the B2B world, deal with people, uh, you know, B2B clients are very specialized in what they do, and if you're not in that world specifically, it's very hard to uh, really uh, to, to serve their needs uh, effectively. So, uh, I mean, the only, there's only one bit of advice I can give here, and that's uh, you know, learn everything about your client's product and their business and put yourself in their shoes. Um, hmm. That's what we did. We, we learned uh, just a ton about steel cables. I know far more about steel cables than I ever expected to know. Uh, and uh, because of that, we were doing uh, marketing and branding revitalization um, uh, for them. But really, when it came down to it, we had to understand a lot of technical details of our product. We could have just done... Uh, you know, uh, some some flashy marketing and some, some some graphic design and that sort of stuff, and call it a day. But ultimately, to you know, these these people, that, you know, the, the company that we were dealing with was a company full of engineers, and so uh, it, it really came down to a heavy amount of discovery to really say, okay, well, get, you know, get these people out of their shells and say, well, what what makes your product special? You know, get, you know take the time to explain to me. And give me give me some some, uh, some research papers or whatever it is that you have um, to show me exactly what um, uh, how how I can take this information and then package it up um, for uh, your your consumers. Obviously, in the B two B world, they they were selling to other uh, companies that were um, using the steel cables as part of a larger uh, piece for them, and they were in specific industries, uh, and each industry. Had uh, each sector had its own um, specific needs. For example, if you had, um, if you were in, uh, in the mining sector, um, if it was, if it was, if there was deep shaft mining as opposed to surface mining, and that those two ropes had to be uh, different. Um, and and then explaining those, those, those the value proposition for each of those sectors is, is really challenging. Um, so I, what happened for us is that we learned so much about this product. And then I got it. We did an engagement. I think the first one was about a month. And we got a call two months later. They said, hey, can you come back? We want to do this. Um, and I said, sure. And then um, that was a two-month engagement. And then they called us again um, about six months later. And they said, hey, we want to do this. Um, uh, another, another marketing thing. Um, can you come back? And then I asked them. I said, I said you know, I'm – I, I did the last the last project I did for them. Um, I was in the Czech Republic, and I said, you know, I'm not not near here right now. Why do you keep calling me? <laughs> Which was an interesting question to ask. And, and 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 the guy said, well, you understand our product. We don't want to go to another <laughs> marketing branding consultant and then start from scratch. You actually know more about wire ropes than a lot of the people in our company. And that's so of course brilliant. they're going to come to me. Nice. Um, and now, that's uh, brilliant. 
One thing I noticed, Charles, though, that you can, of course, if you know your client's business and their product and their service like that, it is powerful. One thing I noticed Peter doing and what social media allows you to do is you can know even, you can know more than just their product or their business or their service. Uh, Peter, before he called someone yesterday, did some research online. He found, and always he does this, finds friends in common, and so, Often the first 15 minutes of his conversation with a new prospect is, oh, how do you know Bob or Susie? And, oh, wow, they're your friend too. And, oh, I see you're a volunteer with the uh, Humane Society. Oh, wow, fascinating. Oh, I know. I found out you have a house in Florida. It's like, and pretty soon, like, the, the, he's in their back pocket. Uh, he's their friend before they even talk about business. Absolutely. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> I'm I'm a, I'm a big proponent of differentiating differentiating yourself, you know, from from anyone and everyone they speak to, and and Charles, you know, your explanation of 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 that of that last question really does uh, bubble up in your model, which is we live we live for the project. And, and that your mission is to reshape the way companies view outsourced project management. And I think you and I are in the, well, you know, our businesses are in the same battle, right? Uh, always, you know, I, I ask myself like three, three questions before I really get out uh, into the market, and that is, who am I, what do I do, and what differentiates myself? If I haven't got a handle on that last one, because I think you pretty much can wrap up the, the, the two the two first ones, but that last one is so important. And in many cases, it has more to do with your application toward the customer, you know, your actual involvement. And, and, and I, I really liked your answer of how involved you got to the point where you actually became almost a subject matter in wire cable, right? Subject matter expert in wire cable. And that's probably the furthest furthest uh, uh, from your mind in, in ever doing, but uh, it was really, really fantastic. And uh, kudos to you for having spent the time and the effort because that does make the difference. And if, if I had to say one thing uh, uh, about you that I think is that you do light up on on all kinds of things. I mean, even the smallest thing, I see you like really, oh, yeah, that it ruminates with you. You know, you get your attached to it, you get your head around it, and the next thing you know, you're talking about it with some real confidence. So, uh, well done. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, uh, thanks so much for uh, uh, being with us today, Charles. Uh, you have a fascinating business and a fascinating workspace. And even at uh, such a young age, uh, like probably half my age and maybe less than that of Peter's age. And Stop yet, it. Uh, you, you've... <laughs> done business in different cultures. You've done the bank client you talked about is a ginormous company. TechBlocks would love to have them as a client. And so obviously you're doing very, very well. Uh, uh, we'll be keeping an eye on you and that MakeWorks uh, co-space you got. And uh, just thank you so much. Say hi to your partner Long for us. Will do. Thank you very much for having me. You guys are both, of course, welcome uh, to come by anytime. Uh, uh, Tom, you know, come check out space. Peter, come back anytime. And uh, our next wine club is February 7th, so um, people can find it on our website, uh, patiointeractive.com, if they're interested in that or reaching out to me. And, uh, yeah, thanks. I really appreciate the opportunity to come and talk to you guys.
Have an amazing day. Thanks, Charles. Thanks, Thanks Charles. Take care. Thank